0: Welcome to the Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Stories of life, large and small, in unusual places. Goats are known for their climbing on things and getting into odd locations, but their skill for climbing is actually helping farmers in Morocco and we find out about how you can change what a worm regenerates as, whether or not it's one head or two, and a mysterious T-Rex found lurking in Singapore. When you think about goats, one of the first things that springs to mind is obviously their ability to get anywhere and everywhere in search of a good meal. I'm sure you've all seen the photos of goats scaling the almost sheer face of a dam just so that they can lick rocks that are covered in salt. And this is certainly true. The alpine ibex, a subspecies of goat, which prides itself on being able to climb surfaces up to 60 degrees in angle, use their hooves, which is a combination of hardened toes on the outside and soft concave areas on the inside, for grip. And this spectacular non-slip surface enables them to, well, rock climb, much in the same way that humans do. In fact, they can make their way up everything from cliff sides and even dam walls to go after food. And not just plants and grass, which they like to eat, but in particular, salt. And salt-crusted rocks from water runoff is one of their particular favourite delicacies, which is why they climb dams just to get a lick of those salty rocks. Being able to jump three metres also doesn't hurt, But that's not the only incredible thing that goats like to climb. So whilst they climb all the mountains, they can possibly get themselves near And they use this to survive. In fact, most goats, particularly uh, alpine ibexes, live 15 years and only really die of starvation or old age. They get out of the way of any type of predator. But in Morocco, in the Mediterranean, these uh, climbing bovadaes have found something else to climb. And it's actually quite surprising. And recent research published by the Ecological Society of America has found an interesting way in which goats are climbing and actually helping the spread of trees and farming by, well, climbing to the very tops of trees for a snack. Now, climbing a mountain makes sense if you're a goat. You can see why they would do that. It's get away from predators, and it's also useful uh, to actually get to new sources of food that haven't been touched before and this is exactly the same reason why goats in southwestern morocco climb the argan tree all the way to the very top to get at the fruity argan nuts now normally goats like eating nuts but they're not really able to crush and get through the hard shells of many of them so they don't like anything with large seeds and this is because goats, like cows, sheep, and deer, rechew their food after fermenting it in their, in their specialized stomach. This this cut during the autumn season when there's not much grass cover around. Well, the goats go to the trees and to the very tops of the trees. They climb all the way to the treetops, and they they call it treetop grazing. And this is quite unusual because it's not just good for the goats to get at these soft, unprotected nuts that are at the top of these trees. It also actually helps spread and keep the trees alive because as these goats sort of climb to the very tops of the trees, chew on the seed and then spit it out with their cut, they're actually launching these seeds far and wide from the very tops of the trees all the way out into the surrounding area. And this, this gets significant distance from the parent trees and that enables those seeds to have a significantly better chance at survival. And this is quite amazing, because often we, we hear of birds and other animals that are small and flighty spreading seeds from far and wide. And this is another mechanism of actually doing this, in using the goat's incredible mobility to actually help spread the seeds. And it's even funnier because, well, they're just spitting it out from the very treetops that they climb to. So when you see a goat up a tree, it's just trying to help spread that tree across the landscape. It just goes used to show the lengths that goats will go for a snack. (music) Ladies and gentlemen, I have some alarming news for you, and that is nestled inside Singapore, this tiny city-state island in southeast asia scientists have made an incredible discovery something that no one has seen or studied in immense detail for years ages and actually really ever expected to find they managed to find in singapore nestling hidden inside surprisingly the singapore botanic gardens a t-rex yes that's right they found a tyrannomerex rex now i know that wasn't a mispronunciation That is, the Tyrannomerex rex is a species of ant, first thought about and observed in 2003 in Malaysia. It's called the Tyrannomerex rex simply because it has a huge body and these tiny little arms, much in the same way as a T-Rex does. And that's one of the reasons why they named it this king of the myrmex. In a recent paper published in the journal Asian Myrmecology by Mark Wong and Gordon Young, have managed to describe how they uncovered an elusive species of ant, a very unusual, very rare ant, just hiding inside the Singapore Botanic Gardens. Now, they found a nest, and they were called in to observe a nest on a piece of land that had been just recently uprooted by military exercises in Mandai. It's a part of Singapore just north of the Singapore Zoo. And it used to be a, a rubber plantation years and years and years ago the people who originally disturbed the nest saw how unusual these ants were and they called in these scientists from the National University of Singapore. And when the scientists dug around, they found 13 worker ants, eggs, larvae and pupae, but no queen. But this is pretty exciting because this is the first time we've managed to find a full nest of these Tyrannomyrmex rex ants. Mostly because they are so rare, and they've only ever been discovered and known about since 2003. So this is the first time we've actually got a good look at this species. They were able to study them for about 10 days before they died, and they preserved their bodies for further study. They looked for other nests or other signs of the ant, but they couldn't find any at the site, which is quite surprising because they also weren't able to find a queen initially. Now, the good news is, is that these T Rexes are nocturnal and non aggressive, unlike their dinosaur counterpart. Now they freeze when faced with other insects and then run away. I mean occasionally they will sting a millipede if something tries to enter their nest, but they they, they were pretty they were pretty passive and hermit like in their behaviour. The scientists also struggled to figure out what on earth these ants ate. Aside from eating one of the males that hatched, they, they offered them a variety of food and, and they didn't really chow down on anything in particular, which is quite unusual. So not only do these ants lack a metaploreal gland, which often other ants use to secrete an antiseptic compound, they really couldn't identify what these ants were eating or how they were sort of surviving. I mean, They generally just live underground in rotting wood, so perhaps they're using that as a food source as well. So this mysterious ant, the T-Rex of ants, we've got a better idea of now, 15 years after first discovery of it, but there's still many, many questions to answer, and certainly shows what can be lurking just in an unsuspecting part of one of the most densely packed and populated places of Earth, Singapore. magical, and somewhat terrifying creatures. They can live in sometimes incredibly strange circumstances, and things like flatworms can survive what for anything else would be a devastating injury. That is, you know, being cut in half, having half of you removed or put somewhere else could seemingly result in two copies emerging at the end of the experience, and that is what planaria flatworms can actually do. Now, why do we care about what these little miraculous flatworms do? Well, in the field of regenerative medicine, it's quite important to understand how we send signals to bones or other things to repair themselves. And as we advance more and more in this field, we really need to understand how and why we send signals to our body to regenerate. And when we send that signal, how it knows that what it's supposed to regenerate into. If you cut a worm in half, which end is supposed to be the head and which end is supposed to be the tail, for example? And some researchers from Tufts University have figured out a great way to actually not only identify the body plan instruction being sent in the regeneration sequence, but also ways to modify that to result in, when a worm's cut in half, the regeneration of two-headed worms. So in a paper recently published in the biophysical journal, Cell Press, has identified a way to undertake genomic editing in large-scale regenerative systems. And they figured out a way to permanently alter the bioelectric pattern memory, or for another words, the code or instruction, to make it permanently remember that it should regenerate into a different body type shape. In this instance, to regenerate as a two-headed worm. So not just causing a random mutation, but actually permanently encoding inside the flatworm. No, no, this is the normal body pattern to regenerate into. Now this group of research was done at Tufts University by the Allen Discovery Center and Department of Biology, which is focusing on what happens in general when animals' bodies regenerate after being severely damaged. The leader of this, author of this study, Michael Levin, is the Vannevar Bush Professor of Biology and the director of the Allen Discovery Center at Tufts University. And his research into planaria flatworms has been going on for some time. They, they previously investigated whether it was possible to cause flatworms to grow heads and brains of another species of flatworm by altering their bioelectric circuits. And the researchers in that study pre- briefly interrupted the flatworm's bioelectric networks by uh, basically using an octanol to temporarily override gap junctions which are basically like short-circuiting the electrical synapses that enables the cells to communicate with each other and to form new circuits and and pass their signals back and forth. And they actually use this similar method, again, to actually change the sequences and, seri- and series for head instructions. So they use this bioelectric overriding or short-circuiting method to tell the flatworms to actually regenerate two heads instead of one. And when they did this approach they actually show that they could use this bioelectric overriding memory to change the standard instruction for the body type to rebuild so in other words they use some short circuits to change well what the instruction planules are for rebuilding the worm after some kind of disaster like being cut in half and what was really incredible was that whilst they only managed to get of worm to regenerate with two heads 25% of the time using this method, what they found when they examined the 72% that didn't actually have uh, the two heads is that if they looked at their genome, they did have that altered body plan instruction sitting there. So whilst it may not have actually reconstructed itself with two heads, the plans, the instruction manual inside its cells was saying, yeah, rebuild with two heads which means that the scientists were actually permanently altering the actual pattern memory stored inside these worms, which is important because it shows that that, that shape instruction, the morphology, the target shape to rebuild into, it shows it's not encoded in their histology or the molecular marker expression or stem cell distribution, but rather some kind of bioelectric pattern that tells you know which instruction manual to go with. So that that's really fascinating because now we know clearer where these instructions sit and how creatures like planaria and others interpret these instructions to when they regenerate. This goes to show a lot of what we can learn about how our bodies or animals' bodies or other creatures can regenerate themselves and where those instruction plans for the regenerations are stored, and ways in which we can alter those temporarily and permanently to produce new and exciting body shapes or in the applications for human regenerative medicine, making sure we actually repair the right thing when we're undertaking regenerative medicine. Now, we are still a long way off from applying this to anywhere close to humans, but it's a great way to get more insight into how regenerative medicine works naturally in things like worms so we can apply similar techniques and understand better the pathways for using on a smaller scale inside humans. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Green Point. Goats climbing trees in Morocco to help spread seeds, worms regenerating with more than one head, and well, a T-Rex that was discovered inside Singapore. Our ending theme was composed by AudioNautix. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.